Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd like to welcome as our guest today, Jonathan Angrist, President and Chief Investment Officer at Cognios Capital. He speaks to us from their offices in the greater Kansas City, Kansas area. John, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you, Charlie. So, John, you came out of Tulane University, uh, moved immediately into the investing uh, industry uh, under the, on the investment management side for a couple decades plus now. You, uh, Cognios is known for its Roto-Rome method of analysis, so you'll want to get into that. And we're focusing specifically today on the market-neutral strategy that uh, you guys have through Roto-Rome. So give us a brief background of yours and of Cognios, will you, John? Sure. Uh, again, thank you for having me on the show. I started after, as you mentioned, Tulane University, got my MBA, and then went into consulting. From there, moved into private equity and leveraged buyouts, then mutual funds. And then in 2005, I launched a hedge fund company, and that's really what I've now been doing for 13 years. So the whole professional career includes public and private securities, microcap to mega cap stocks, and mostly domestic, but some foreign stocks as well. So Tools and techniques we've developed, like you mentioned, Roto-Rome, really we think are universal tools that we can use in any of those circumstances. So, John, you guys have mutual funds and you have separately managed accounts. So you're advisors, you're not a, a hedge fund, correct? We have a hedge fund as well. We are a management advisor and we really run the strategies any way the clients want them. So mutual fund, separate accounts, and the hedge fund. Okay. And all of your strategies are managed by... Cognios, correct? That's correct. So uh, let's begin with this question here, John. What's the best advice you have ever heard, read, or received about investing? By far, the single most important thing that I've learned about investing is making the distinction between speculating and investing. Okay, and obviously you guys take the latter. Okay, and do you we think do. that, that that's a major issue? Uh, well, why do you think that's a major issue for so many investors and possibly advisors? Well, I think the vast majority of the investing world focuses on things that fall more into the speculating bucket than investing. And obviously, as you mentioned, I have a strong preference for investing. I think it's the better way to think about the world, and it, it tends to work better over time. But it's not what most people do, in my experience. So you would cons- – I mean, so many people are invested in, uh, you know, the SPY, SP500, the QQQs for the – NASDAQ 100 and, uh, you know, all the, these different indices these days. Uh, do you see that as kind of speculation because they're doing it without a downside hedge? How, how do you see that? Well, I define investing as first thinking about the business and first thinking about the assets that the business owns. And if you worry about that first and the cash profits that it produces, and if you try to value those cash profits and then try to buy those those stocks, let's say, at a discount to what you think the cash profits are worth, that's investing. Almost everything else falls into speculating. And so if you are buying the S&P 500 because you like American and global businesses 
and you like and you think that they're relatively cheap compared to what other investments you can make, then I I think index investing for most people is a wonderful way to go. I don't have any issue. In fact, I personally have some index investing as well. So I like that. If you are trying to buy and sell those index ETFs or index mutual funds on a short-term basis based on what you think the stock, those index prices are going to do in the next day, week, month, or quarter, that's more like speculating. You know, that's very interesting, John. I haven't really heard that approach before uh, when I've asked that question. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, validity to that. And I know the Warren Buffett would certainly agree with you. And uh, so many uh, value fundamental analysis investors as well. So tell us, uh, do you see you're the president of Cognios? You guys have uh, over two billion dollars in assets under management. Um, you have several mutual funds. You have more strategies than that. You have how many employees Cognios have? Roughly fifteen. Fifteen employees. So do you see yourself? As president, are you? do you see yourself as an executive who is also managing assets, or do you see yourself as an investment manager who is kind of an executive by requirement here? Well, I have two titles. I have president and chief investment officer, and I used to have more titles than that when we were a small firm. There were just two of us running it. And over time, I think it's become clear to me that I'd rather spend my time on the investing part of the business. Um, and so now we have executives that, that run the business. So I'm not, uh, I'm not an executive. I'm not a manager, uh, other than of the investment department. So I run the investment department, but other folks run the other parts of the business today. Well, and my personal preference is really to run the investment department with a lot of senior people that know what they're doing and don't need a lot of management. So I really spend the vast majority of my time do my own investment research. So really what I am is a stock analyst. Okay, and, and congratulations for figuring that out because that is so often very difficult to not only figure out but to implement uh, in an organization and to figure out how to use your skills and apply those skills effectively while at the same time get, getting the other stuff done. So let's talk about the long, short, market-neutral strategy, how it works. Let's begin with Rotorome. Rotorome uh, is a is a moniker that I came up with to describe our style of investing, and it really has obviously two pieces: Rota and Rome. Rota stands for return on tangible assets, and it's really cash profits divided by the assets invested in the business. And then the second term is Rome, return on market equity, which really is just return on stock price. So it's the same cash profits, but it's divided by the stock price. So you could also think of that as a cash flow yield. And that, and by doing that, it makes stocks, cash profits divided by their stock price. It's sort of the inverse of a PE ratio. And it makes, it makes it comparable, it makes stocks comparable to fixed income investments or bonds. So I think the best way to say it is Rhoda tells you whether a business is a good business or bad business, making more cash profits relative to the assets invested in the business is a good thing. High rota is always better than lower rota. And when you're buying a stock, you have to also decide if it's cheap or expensive. And that's what Rome tells you, if it's cheap or expensive. In general, you'd rather pay a lower price, which means the yield is going to be higher, the profits divided by a lower stock price or a higher yield. So in general, we like high rota businesses that are trading at high roams. Great businesses at great prices. Okay, so... 
So tell us, do you, do, in Rota and in Rome, do, do they get a, is it a metric where they get a specific score, one to a hundred kind of thing? And do you publish those or is just this, uh, this obviously is proprietary, but you keep it in house and that's how you do your evaluating? That's right. We don't, we're not in the, we're not in the, um, you know, in the research publishing business. We develop, all these are proprietary metrics that we develop for our own use do our own stock selection and portfolio construction. That said, you know, even though there's some proprietary tools and techniques we use to do that, anybody can really calculate ROTA nearly the way we do just by using publicly publicly available information. We just take company profits, divide by tangible assets with one important, one important piece of information, and that is that we look at that over time. We don't really care if a company had a particularly good quarter or a particularly bad quarter. What we care about is how much money does that business make on average and over time throughout a whole business cycle. So one good way to think about it is what you care about, what you should care about, is the rota of a business over a five to ten year period of time. That tells you if it's a good business. And that's what we care about most. And Rome is really just cat is the cash profits divided by stock price. And we prefer cash profits but you can get a similar number by literally taking the PE of a company and inverting it, doing earnings over price. And that gives you a yield instead of a multiple, which I just think is more intuitive. It makes more sense to tell somebody a stock is trading at a 5% yield than it is to say it's trading at a 20 times multiple. It makes it more comparable to other things. Okay. And w- what evidence do you have, John, that uh, this is productive in selecting companies whose price w- rises or whose prices fall? Because you're long short here. Yeah, we have studied this extensively over very long periods of time. And it, it's clear to us from the data that if the higher the rota, the, more, the better that stock is going to do over, over a long period of time. So better businesses perform better in the stock market. We have analysis and, and that we've done and studied and worked on for years that demonstrates that. We also have significant amount of data that shows that buying the cheaper stocks in the, in the stock market generates higher returns over time. And then the real power comes when you put those two things together. So you could just think of the world as being high rota or low rota, just divide the world in half, and you can think of dividing the world of price in half, expensive and cheap, so above average, below average. And the real power comes by combining those two. So not only do you want to buy the best businesses, and not only do you want to buy the cheapest stocks, but if you buy the best businesses at the cheapest prices, you really end up with significantly different market returns, which are bet far better than the average over long periods of time. So, John, how do you apply this roll to roam strategy in this long, short market neutral strategy that you have? Yeah, so what we do is we take the highest rota. Well, first of all, the universe for this particular strategy is the S&P 500. So we start with 500 stocks, and now we just have to figure out what to do with those 500. And we run the Rota-Rome analysis on all of them, essentially score them based on the Rota and the Rome statistics. And the best ones, the highest Rota, highest Rome businesses in general are candidates for our long book. And the lowest Rota, lowest Rome businesses, so the worst businesses and the most expensive prices, generally speaking, are candidates for our short book. And because the long book, on average and over time, should do better than the S&P, in our opinion, and the low-roam stocks should do worse than the S&P over time, our expectation is that we can generate profits on both sides of the book, the long book and the short book, 
uh, given the appropriate and a long enough time frame to let the market do its thing. So this is a long short strategy that is also market neutral, and and uh, we know that most long short strategies are not market neutral. So how do you make this strategy market neutral? With with, with I presume it's a it's a neutral beta. It is, and I think that's there's two important distinctions there. One. There are most hedge funds, in particularly in the equity world, are long and short. So the long means obviously they own stocks, and short means you're essentially betting against the stock by borrowing it and selling it, um, hoping that the stock price either goes down or at least does worse than your long investments, and then you can buy it back at a at a better price and and return the stock. So we most hedge funds that's not unusual that we're long short what is unusual as you pointed out is that our flavor of long short is market neutral and there's really two versions of market neutral Uh, one version the most common one is where uh, an investor goes long a hundred dollars worth of stock and short a hundred dollars worth of stock that is called dollar neutral and it's the vast majority of the market neutral universe that by the way is not really market neutral it, both in our opinion and also based on the analyses that we've done over long periods of time. The reason that that truly doesn't result in market neutral returns is that something called the beta or the sensitivity of each individual stock to the overall stock market tends to be different in the long book and the short book. So if you have very sensitive stocks in your long book and not very sensitive stocks in your short book, as the whole market moves up or the whole market moves down, there's going to be an impact on your long book and short book that will be different, and you'll end up generating profits or losses that are really more directly related to the movement of the market than to your stock picking. And so the one thing that we do differently in our market neutral is we make it beta neutral. And we do that by adjusting the size of the long book or short book so that we have the same amount of overall sensitivity to the market in our long book and short book. And what we end up with is something we call beta neutral. And that means that no matter what the market does, goes up or goes down or goes sideways, our returns should be completely independent of that over time. And in fact, that's what's happened. And you guys should be pure alpha then. Whatever you do, it's because of what you did. It's not because of the way the market moved. That's exactly right. And so 100% of our returns should be pure alpha, and essentially over time they have been pure alpha. Our correlation and our square to the market and our beta are all close to zero, which means that no matter what the market does, we stand a chance of making or losing money. Being market neutral doesn't necessarily mean you make money all the time, but it does mean that your returns are independent of the market, which makes market beta market neutral strategies like ours, and there's not that many of them that are beta neutral, makes it one of the only truly diversifying asset classes around. Because most of the assets classes that other people use to try to diversify their portfolio end up being highly correlated either to stocks or to bonds. And they don't get the independence, they don't get the diversification that they thought they were getting when they added that particular asset to their portfolio. Yeah, and we've all seen that in many long short strategies. So uh, tell us, you guys have a long short strategy now. You're based on uh, Rotorome, which is um, a value based fundamental analysis, and uh, you guys are market neutral. So you've got a lot to overcome when you try to educate people about this. What, what misperceptions do you see by investors and advisors regarding your particular strategy with uh, these three particularly different elements here? Well, the main the main educational element I think that we have is that when people think of hedge funds, they think of huge returns that that 
that people are targeting all the time. That you know, there, there's a misconception that hedge funds are designed to make lots of money all the time. In fact, there's really very few hedge funds where that's really their goal. When you're choosing a hedge fund or thinking about a hedge fund, the idea of hedge means you're trying to reduce the overall exposure to something. You're trying to own something and then hedge or reduce some element of that exposure. And by doing that, you really end up, for the most part, with and the overall goal for most hedge funds is a lower but steadier return. And so if you're going to choose a hedge fund, you either you have to at the very beginning, you have to say, I either, I either want to swing for the fences and take the chance of making huge returns, which, by the way, also often comes with the chance for having huge losses, or you can choose the more common implementation of hedge funds, which is to have a lower volatility, more steady uh, set of returns. And that's really what we're trying to do is generate a lower standard deviation, lower volatility set of returns that are independent of the market. Okay, and and tell us what categories of of investors are clients of yours? Are they individuals, advisors, institutions, family offices, and then why do they invest with you guys? So the answer to that question is yes, we have institutional investors in our separate accounts. We have family offices and high net worth individuals in our hedge funds, and we have retail investors or the average investor through their either directly or through their investment advisors in our mutual funds. And so that's one of the reasons why we offer the same strategy in those three different structures, because different investors tend to like different structures. And they're all pretty much doing it for the same reason, and that is to get some diversification from their traditional allocation to, to fixed income or bonds and equities or stocks. So it's the one, as I said, it's the one asset class we think that truly has the opportunity to be independent of the market over time. And each of those investors tend to seek it for slightly different reasons, but they're all in that general idea of trying to diversify their equity and fixed income risk. Yeah, and uh, to, to me, the, the obvious use here in 2018 would be as a, a good fixed income surrogate here. Uh, do you find that, that more and more people are interested in that because the interest rates are so low and as interest rates rise, it's going to take a long time before they impact the, the, the yield on various fixed incomes. But in the meantime, the principal value of, of those funds and bonds and things are going to drop. So the opportunity here for you guys, as I would say it, would be as a fixed income surrogate. Uh, is that a hot topic of conversation? Are you guys kind of promoting that? Are people recognizing that? Where are you on that? Yeah, for the last six or seven years, that has been the number one issue and concern that we hear from clients and potential clients, that they can't make any money on their short-term fixed income instruments, uh, and they can maybe take a little bit of duration risk and go a little further out you know, and buy some three, five, ten-year bonds. But, but as interest rates are rising, as you pointed out, that puts those, secure, those fixed income instruments, those longer-term bonds, a tremendous risk. And so they don't, they're not quite sure where to go. They, and as, now that rates actually started rising here in the past 18 months or so, people are very worried about their fixed income portfolio. Uh, in general, the way we look at it and the way most of our clients and potential clients are thinking about it, that it's a, there's a very good chance that you're gonna not make, make very much money in bonds and potentially even lose money in your bond portfolio over the next three to five years. So yes, this is this is 
the market neutral strategy is definitely being seen as a potential replacement for, for fixed income. And in the past, 18 months or so, we're hearing more and more from clients that they're very worried about the valuation of the stock market, and therefore, we're starting to see more clients shift some of their equity investment into the market neutral strategy as well. So we're really seeing allocations from both sides of the of the book. Yeah, excellent answer there, John. Thank you very much. John, some personal questions here. Uh, if you were not doing this with Cognos, what would you probably be doing? Well, I'd be doing it for myself because this is what I do. This is what I love doing. I love thinking about it. Um, you know, this is, it's, I love looking at businesses and understanding businesses. And, and the way I think the best way to do that is, is to study their historical financial performance. It's, we don't spend a lot of time here listening to investor conference calls and meeting with uh, company investor relations officers. We just study what businesses did, and we think that that's the best way to figure out what they're going to do in the future. And that's what I would do as a hobby if I wasn't doing this for Cognos. So well, that, that's may not be that much, may not seem like all that exciting other people, but it's what I love doing. Hey, that, that that's what counts. So, uh, John, uh, one of the questions we like to ask all of our guests: What keeps you awake at night? Yeah, because we focus on investing and not speculating, and I'll add one other piece to that definition because I think it's so important. If you're worried about the business and the cash flows of the business, that generally falls in the category of investing. If your first priority is worrying about price action, what the price is doing today, what it's going to do in, in the short term or intermediate term future, that's more speculating. I just don't worry about that. I worry about investing. And so there's not really much about investing that keeps me up at night or should keep anybody up at night. Over a long period of time, the U.S. economy in particular and the global economy is going to grow. And I think you don't need to worry about it that much. And if you're buying stocks that are cheap, so high roam, low price, high cash, high yield, you don't need to really worry about it that much so i'm sure you've heard this answer before but i'm more worried at night about where my kids are when my teenagers are coming home than i am about the stock market or business yeah we we certainly can relate to that here so uh last question here john what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners well, really, there's, there is one book that everybody who, who considers themselves a value investor should read if they haven't already, and it's The Intelligent Investor by Ben Graham. Um, the fourth revised edition is great. It has an appendix, it has a preface and appendix by Warren Buffett, and there's three chapters you should read first. The first chapter is on speculating versus investing. If you don't read that, uh, the rest of everything else that you're going to do is going to be hard to figure out. And then there's chapter eight and chapter 20. Chapter 8 tells you what the stock market is and what it isn't. And then the last chapter 20 tells you, tells you about the margin of safety and that if you have a margin of safety and you're investing and you're, uh, you're thinking about the stock market right, again, it doesn't keep you up at night. If you don't do those three things, you're going to be worried about your speculating activities all the time and it's going to be uncomfortable. So final words for, well, before final words, give us your website and contact information for people who'd like to know more here, John. Our website is www.cognios.com, C-O-G-N-I-O-S.com. And I'll just reiterate one more time, focus on investing, ignore things about speculating, uh, which mostly fall today. Think about Bitcoin and commodities. Those are speculating, worried about price action and not cash flows. And over time, do that for your whole life and you'll you'll end up with a nest egg that you can retire with. John, thank you very much. And for those of us who don't speak Greek, uh, what does Cognos mean? 
<laughs> well, it's a made-up word, but it's meant to it's meant to suggest cognition, thoughtfulness, um, intelligence, and you know, um, sort of a serene sense of understanding. Okay, uh, nirvana that we're all trying to achieve here. So, That's John, right. thank you very much for joining us, and uh, our best wishes for your and Cognio's uh, continued success here. And hopefully you don't have to go out soon and uh, start investing on your own uh, without, without Cognio's. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Charlie. Again, we've been talking with John Angr- Angris, President and Chief Investment Officer, Cognio's Capital out of Kansas City, Kansas. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. We'd love to have you contact us at strategicinvestorradio.com and go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright. Thank you for joining us and wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host, Charlie Wright, or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing.